0: I never even realised that Tim could play the guitar. (coughs) Sounds very futuristic, doesn't it? Let's just pray. Father God, thank you so much that we are here this morning. Lord, thank you that in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, you say to, to love one another. And Lord, we pray that now as we, as we consider another part of your word to us, Lord, that we would keep that in mind. Lord, that we would hear your gospel again. Lord, that it would reach into our hearts and, and, and pluck at our minds. Amen. I heard some people this morning saying that it's a little bit cold in here and I noticed that that a few people have got blankets over their knees and and, and over their shoulders and it, it looks like it's a little bit cold. It reminds me of of something that happened to me. In fact, the whole service so far, the singing. They were singing. That's the last thing I heard as I as I left them in the cold darkness. And I walked away into the warmth of my house. Despite it all, those two strange, strange men were singing. And for the life of me, I couldn't understand these, these people, what, what they were on about, why they were singing. I mean, they'd been beaten up. They should have been, I don't know, nursing their wounds, whimpering a bit. But instead they were singing songs of, of joy and praise. Singing. Let me back it up a little bit. My name is, um, as you all know, Claudius Marcus. Uh, middle-aged, fair hair, brown eyes. I'm a resident of, of the beautiful city of Philippi. The most beautiful city in the world. You know where Philippi is, of course. We're, we're right on the main trading route from east to west. We are the most important city in the whole of Macedonia a great place to live, a wonderful place to live. We have access to everything and, 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 and what makes it really the best place to live is that we are a, we're like a little Rome. We're, um, we're about as close to Rome as you can get in Macedonia, in, in Europe and, and, and you know, for all intents and purposes, it's like we're a, a suburb of Rome. We get the same perks and benefits and, and privileges as, as anybody else living in the capital of our great empire. I guess for us, Philippi is kind of like Christmas Island is to Australians. It's far away, but it's very much Australian. I've spent the whole of my my working life working for, for the Roman Empire. I've been in the army and I thought that that Philippi here, this beautiful place, would be the ideal stopping point for my, for my working life, for my journey. I, I thought I'd, I'd settle down here. I'd, I'd, you know, look after the family. Maybe even retire eventually. So I got this, this beautiful, this, this cushy job. All I have to do is, is to look after the local clink. All I have to do is is make sure that, that the prisoners are, are locked up tight in jail and that they don't escape. I, I mean, how hard can that be? All I have to do is chain them up, lock their feet together, and go home. I don't even I don't really even have to bother feeding them, really. If they've got friends, they can come and feed them, but if they haven't, shouldn't have got caught. I mean, let's be honest, if you get thrown in jail, you deserve to be thrown in jail. You don't get thrown in jail for no reason, do you? I must say, I was pretty proud of my, my jail. I mean, sure, it's, it's not five-star accommodation, but, but I was doing an important job. I was keeping the scum off the streets. Things have changed a little bit over the last few weeks, and it all started when when, a, when a, a few blokes arrived in town. they were coming from the coast, they were going inland and who were they four main blokes there was um, there was doc Luke um, there was Timothy I mean they were all right, they were people like us, you know, um, and then there were the other two there was um, Silas, and this bloke Paul. Now, I'm not a racist. Please don't think I'm a racist, but you've got to know they were Jews. Um, and this was Philippi. And really, we, we were Roman, and we were proud of it, and, and we were pretty lucky because we didn't have very many Jews living in the city. I mean, who, who wants Jews around? They're atheists. They're atheists. They don 't believe in in gods, they say that God is invisible. they don 't have any idols as if they, they said idols were useless, Anywho. These four blokes arrived in town one day and and the first thing they did was was to suss out where the few Jews we had met and was down by the stream, just you know outside the city limits where, where they were actually allowed to, to get together and and apparently they got there and they, they chatted to the people there and whatever they said must have been pretty convincing because, um, you know Lydia? Uh, she was this, this really wealthy woman. You know, she sold that purple cloth. She's got purple over there. Uh, that looks like Lydia's kind of stuff. Very expensive. You must be wealthy people over there. <laughs> and you know, before, before you could snap your fingers, this Lydia, this wealthy woman who, who you'd think would know better, she turned around and said, well, I'm going to be one of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to follow after their religion. I'm going I'm to call myself a Christian, a follower of, of Christ. Okay, let's be fair. To be honest, it's not such a big deal. Lydia had already had Jewish leanings for a long time. Everybody knew it. We're still going to buy her clothes. Still going to buy her cloth. In fact, you know, if, if those four blokes, if, if Paul and Silas and Timothy and, and Doc Luke, if, if they'd satisfied themselves with just speaking to the Jewish people down by the river, there wouldn't have been a problem. Nobody would have been bothered. Nobody would have cared. But, but that's where things got a little bit tricky. I mean, they should have known when they walked into Philippi, into our beautiful town, they, they should have known that they were coming to a place where there were all kinds of forces and powers of which they didn't seem to understand a thing. They should have known that that this city of Philippi wouldn't have let them come in and, and turn their beliefs and their society and even their economy upside down. But that's exactly why they came. They came and they wanted everybody in town to, to leave behind their old life and, and to become followers of Jesus and they, they said that when you do that you have a new life and, and everything changes. It, it really, it all came to head um, when they, they started and, and they met with Euodia. Uh, you know Euodia. She's um, Julius's slave she's world famous in Philippi I'm surprised you don't know her world famous in Philippi as as a servant of the great god Apollo she she had one of his spirits in her, Doc Luke wrote that down in his book she was pretty impressive because you know you could sit down with her and she could tell you the future and she wasn't a scam artist or anything. When she told you the future, it, it, it just about every time, it, it was so. That there was some spooky, supernatural stuff happening here. I mean, I remember the one time I, I, I greased her palm. She didn't, future doesn't come cheap. I went to her and I gave her some money and she told me about um, whether my wife was going to get well from, from her sickness that she was having and, and she did. And it was good. Anyway, Euodia, this, this fortune teller, one day she was standing there and, and, and Paul and Silas, you know those Jews who arrived? They were walking past and, and Euodia looked at them and I spoke to her the other day at Lydia's house and, and she said, she, she didn't know exactly what was happening but, but she felt like something blah, 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 inside of her and, and she just started following them around everywhere. Yelling out, These men are servants of the great high God, the most high God. They're telling you how to be saved. And she followed them every single place that they went. Mm -hmm. I mean like every single day. She'd she'd wait outside Lydia's house. They were staying in Lydia's house and and when they came out in the morning, she'd start up again and then she'd be back again the next morning. You know, if I were Paul, What a bonus. I mean, here is this world famous in Philippi lady. I mean, getting her on your side, it's like getting today, tonight on your case. Everybody knows about it. Everybody trusts them. Everybody's going to listen. Free advertising for their cause. You're getting endorsed by, by someone with a proven track record. But it seems like like Paul didn't quite see it that way. It it happened about a week after she started following them around, yelling all the time. He just turned on her. (laughs) From what I've heard, he he was just getting more and more frustrated and frustrated and irked and troubled. And and he just turned and he, he looked at her and he spoke, not to her but to the thing inside of her. He said, get out in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to get out. As I, as I told you, I, I, I spoke to you odia at, uh, at Lydia's house the other day and, and she tried to explain to me what it felt like, what, what happened when Paul said that to her. She said, she said it was like something dark went away. You know, like, like when, when there's heavy clouds in the sky and, and you've got a beam of sunlight breaking through and and soon enough, all the clouds are gone, and it 's just bright light. She said that that's kind of, of how it felt. She, she says she, she felt different. She felt somehow free. It, 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 I mean, she was still a slave. she still belonged to Julia Julius, um, but for the first time in her life, she, she felt like she was her own person, because this thing that, that had lived in her and, and had controlled her for so long was gone. I mean, still today, you speak to her today and the smile goes from the top of her ear to the other top of her other ear. She is just so... Oh. I mean, wouldn't you be happy if, if something that had been holding you in darkness for the, like, most of your life disappeared? Wouldn't that be brilliant? Unfortunately, um, Julius and co., you know, her masters, they aren't quite as thrilled. It turns out that, that when Paul exercised the demon from Euodia, um, he also exercised the paycheck from her master's pockets. <laughs> and they weren't going to stand for that. I mean, it, they were all right with her following Paul around. And, but if he comes and he starts messing their economy up, you know what they did, of course. They, they grabbed Paul and they grabbed Silas. And they dragged them off to, to the town square where, where the cases were tried and, and they brought charges against them. I mean, you, they had to fiddle the charges a little bit. Uh, you can't really accuse somebody of getting rid of a demon. It's, it's not really in the legal system. But they thought they, they really had to get their own back. So they fiddled the charges a bit. Two charges. They said, first off, um, sirs, they're Jews. Come on. These are Jews and, and we don't want them in our town. It's always a great card to play, you know, the race card. Second charge. Not only are they Jews, but they are coming into our beautiful Roman town and they're trying to un Romanize us. They're, they're trying to, to undermine the very fabric of our Roman society. And you have to deal with this before it's too late. You have to stop them. You've got to remember, we were really proud of our Roman heritage. Even today, If you go back, all of our signs were written in Latin. Not like the Greek of the cities around us. We were Roman and proud of it. And and any charge that somebody was was going against that, you have to deal with that. And it's not surprising that that when they started saying that Paul and Silas were were de-Romanizing Philippi, the the crowd there in the square got all riled up and and, and they started shouting and, and saying, yeah beat him up, lock him up, get rid of him. I mean, the magistrates, they, they didn't really have much of a choice, did they? If, if they didn't take Paul and Silas and, and punish them, then the people of Philippi would think that they were, were anti-Roman. And it might get back to Rome, and they might be in trouble. And so they grabbed Paul and they grabbed Silas. They stripped him. They flogged him and they handed them over to me. They said to me, Take these two blokes and throw them in jail. In fact, they said, Guard them really carefully. I mean, it's nothing new. When people came to my jail, they usually came there beaten half to death. That, that's just what happened when you went to jail back in Philippi. I'd take them in. I'd I'd give them a roof over their heads. I'd, I'd, I'd lay some free manacles on the stone pillow. And then I'd walk away. And they said to me, God, then Kathy, but, you know, it was a cold night. It was really cold in that jail. Like this is spring weather compared to that. And my house was just around the corner with a beautiful roaring fire. Lovely warm bed. So I took Paul and I took Silas and I took them right into the very middle of the jail where it was coldest and darkest. And and I locked them up. I put their feet into some stocks. There's a picture of it on the bulletin I see. And I left them there. That's where I started off today. As I was walking out from the inner jail back to my lovely warm home I could hear in the background the singing. I found out later that they, they sang and they prayed from that moment on until about midnight. you've got to know when you come into a jail like mine and you've been beaten up by the authorities and you've got the cuts and the welts and the bruises all over you, they don't get dressed before you come to jail. You, you come bleeding and, and hurt and whatever. It's not a nice place being in jail. With your feet and your stocks, you, you can barely move. Um... Toilet facilities, um, suffice to say that there was a pleasant aroma to the jail. Drinking water, you've got to be joking. You know, over the years, many of my prisoners, I'd come back in the morning and they'd have committed suicide. It was just too horrible for them. It was a soul-breaking place. And I went home had a beautiful dinner, went to bed, slept, till midnight struck. And, and I felt an earthquake, which, I mean, you get earthquakes in Philippi quite frequently, but this one felt, this one felt different somehow And I knew that it was close and I jumped out of bed and I rushed to the jail. It took me about five minutes to get there and I got there and the doors were wide open. I don't know if you know, but but if a Roman soldier lets his prisoners escape, then then, then my head would have been on the block quite literally. I would have been punished. I would probably have been killed if I let all those prisoners escape. And I saw the door and I took my sword and I was about to fall on it. Went from the very middle of the prison I heard a voice calling out to me saying, Claudius, stop! Don't do it, Claudius! We're all here! For the life of me today, I I still don't know how he knew that I was outside and that I was about to do that to myself. I recognised the voice, of course, it belonged to, to Paul, and I rushed in and I went to maximum security. And you know, as I, as I walked past all the cells, I saw all the doors hanging open, broken loose. All the chains broken from the walls. All the prisoners still there. And I rushed into the, to the very middle cell and, and I just I fell to my, to my knees. And I, I, I just fell before these guys. And I, and I took them out. And we stood in the light outside. And I looked at these two blokes who had, who had stopped me killing myself. And I asked them the question I had to know. I said, Sirs, Paul, Silas, blokes, tell me. How, how can I be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul looked at me and he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ When we went home and we had a, a great discussion I washed their wounds it turns out I didn't have to kill myself but somebody else had already died for me that's my story Father God, thank you so much that you are the God who saves, the God who is powerful, the God who is great, the God who cannot be stopped. Amen. As Nicholas, (laughs) can I just just raise just two or three points from that that story? At Super Club this week... um, last Wednesday, we, we sat and we discussed with the kids uh, the topic of the supernatural. And we discussed with them and we said that 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 there is a, a spiritual unseen component to this world of ours. We, we, we've got angels of light and we've got demons and we've got evil spiritual forces. We've got God and, and there's Satan. I mean, Paul himself writes Ephesians 6.11, he says that, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And and you know, the truth is that when Paul and Silas and Timothy and Dr. Luke arrived in in the town of Philippi, they were walking into enemy territory. Territory where where all sorts of forces and and powers and, and authorities would stand in their way and and in that story, which is in Acts chapter 16, we've we've seen three of them. We've we've got uh, spiritual forces like like the fortune teller who I called Euodia. We've got economic forces, her masters, and then we've also got social and and religious forces standing against the gospel. And I'd like to suggest, not to be too serious, but but today as Christians we are still walking in enemy territory. Well, not really, we're walking in places that Satan claims to own. And when we share the Gospel and when we live out our Christian lives, Satan doesn't take kindly to that. Sometimes we will face out and out spiritual opposition like Paul faced from from the fortune teller. I mean... Yeah, that that wasn't so much opposition; it was more seeming cooperation. I don't know if you've wondered why why Paul told this girl to shut up when she was announcing to everyone that that they were there with the message of salvation. I think the reason is that that this evil spirit in her was was trying to co-opt the good news of Jesus Christ. Was trying to say well, look. Here are some people with good news, and I'm telling you about them. I'm part of this. This is this is just an extension of what I've been doing forever. One of Satan's greatest ploys to to undermine the church is to is to try and undermine it from within. When my family first moved to, to New South Wales uh, back in 96, uh, my father was a pastor of a local church and. And he faced incredible opposition from the Freemasons in the town because he dared to say that Christianity must stand alone. And, and that's a fact that we need to, to hold on to today. Our faith, Jesus Christ, stands alone. Nothing else can be added to that. The other thing, sometimes the Gospel will have economic impacts. Paul didn't stop and say, well, I can't get rid of the demon because it's going to affect the livelihood of the masters. He just said, this is wrong, this is evil, get out. But for us, there will be social and religious opposition to the gospel message. Because the fact is that where the gospel comes, it does turn society upside down on its head. You know, sociologists today um, complain that Christian missionaries way back when went into native villages and and got rid of their religion and and made them all Christians. And they say, this is the most terrible thing ever. But, But, you know, that's what the Gospel does. The Gospel comes and ruins our culture as it is. Because when Jesus comes, He says, I don't want you to stay as you are, I want you to become like Me. And people don't like change. Just one last point. How do we respond to opposition? You know, I reckon if Paul and Silas were normal Christians like you and I, they'd sit in jail and they'd say oh, shouldn't have come here, it's too hard. God wants me to be happy. And I'm not happy in this jail cell. And you know, when times got tough, when times do get tough, the only answer, the only solution is to turn our faces to God. I mean, songs and, and prayers, just our whole being turned to God. Um, one of the great church fathers, Tertullian, said that um, the legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. As Paul says, we know that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that shall be revealed in us. So that's, that's the story. a snapshot of the impact the gospel has.